Hey there, welcome to Embrace Your Strengths podcast. You're going to hear inspiring stories of men and women who are embracing their top five Clifton strengths in all kinds of ways. You'll be encouraged to understand more about what's so great about you. Learn how knowing, developing, and living more moments using your strengths can bring you joy and purpose in your life. I'm your host, Barbara Colwell. Hi there. Welcome to Embrace Your Strengths. There is so much packed into this episode with Dr. Heather Holloman, whose recent book called The Six Conversations has been released. It's an excellent book about the whys and hows of having more meaningful conversations, can make for warm connections with others, lead to more joy and less loneliness in our lives. Before we started to record, I just wanted to say that I experienced one of the most meaningful conversations I've had in a while. She started with asking me questions about this podcast, why I started it, how it's going, and of course, I had a lot to say. One thing in particular is my passion for you, the listener, to know that who you are matters and that knowing and developing your top five strengths can be a way for you to do more of what you love and what you're made for. I would love to connect with you individually to talk with you more about that. As you listen, you'll hear that we didn't get to unpack completely her journey of embracing her strengths, but you can hear how she's been living out of her strengths for years in all that she's been doing as a college professor, a writer, and a speaker. In our conversation beforehand, her strategic strength, which I don't have, prompted a lot of questions for me and things for me to think about. You're going to hear how her skill at questions led to some interesting things we talked about also, story about a dress, a few more things. Her maximizer strength of pursuing excellence permeates all that she does with her students, her writing, her conversations with colleagues, family, and friends. Hope you enjoy our conversation. I am so eager for you to hear from my next guest today, Dr. Heather Holloman. Heather and I met maybe like 10 years ago when we were both taking seminary classes through our work with crew. And she is just one of those amazing people. And she has so many tricks in your bag. You are going to love hearing from her. She writes books. She teaches. She's a professor of advanced writing at Penn State. She speaks regularly to encourage all kinds of audiences to connect deeply with Jesus and one another. And I love being on a a book launch team that she had several years ago with one of her books, Seated with Christ. And she has her latest book, her eighth book that just released a few months ago. And I'm excited for you to hear about that. But welcome, Heather. So glad you're here. Oh, I'm so excited to be on your podcast. This is going to be a great conversation. I am just so excited. I know recently I read your recent book, The Six Conversations, which is amazing. My husband and I just have like underlined almost everything in it and are so eager to get it in the hands of lots of people we know. We ordered a big batch of them. And so, but I'm excited to hear just the backstory about it, but I would love to kind of start with what your strengths are since this top, this podcast is about people embracing their strengths and would love to hear what your top five strengths are and a little bit about what that's looked like for you. 
Well, I am a strategic, maximizer, activator, futuristic, and achiever. And I would say what I love about how God made me and my strengths is how it works so well in a college classroom and in my role as a writer. So when you have maximized, you're really good in a college classroom because the goal is to make people their best. And I'm, you know, I teach advanced writing, I teach honor students. So a maximizer, really, I'm always looking for potential. I'm always trying to make people better. It's so good in the classroom, but Barbara, it is terrible as a mother. Mothers Mm. who are maximizers drive (laughs) their children. And so I've really had to stop this narrative of improvement in my home Mm, and and kind of silencing my maximizer gift. Um, Strategic is my my top strength. And what I love about having strategic strengths is that means I'm really good at making quick decisions. Like if I'm, if you know, if I'm in a classroom situation where we have to like synthesize data really quickly or do something like that, um, being strategic really helps with that. It's also perfect if you're writing books because someone who's able to chart out very quickly a course, you know, uh, like chapters, like where the book is going. And then when you combine that with futuristic, it just works really well when you're a writer. And then obviously all those kind of work with Achiever because I just love to wake up and think, okay, what am I going to do today? How am I going to make this day the best? You know, what's my strategy? So I'm always living in the future. I have a, you know, an amazing to-do list and I, I love how that all works as mostly as a writer and as a professor. Wow. That's, that's amazing. I know. And like, I just, like I mentioned, I just love thinking about just the different books the list of books that you've written and just, I'm sure just forever you've had just kind of your next goal in mind. And do you know what your next book might be? You know, I'm not sure. I'm moving into a young adult and middle grade fiction because after I wrote Seated with Christ, so many young people loved it that Moody and I together, we thought, okay, what if we made this fictionalized about a little girl who can't find her seat in the lunchroom and writing a story about how she finds her seat with Jesus. So that's for eight to 10 year old girls. And that's coming out next year. And I got really excited about that, Barbara. I thought, okay, because I always wanted to be a fiction writer, but I'm, I'm really not good. (laughs) I'm really not good at it. So, but you know what? I, I don't know. I just don't know. Maximizer, I really think that spiritual gift If you were to make a parallel to scripture, I think it's really an encouragement gift because you're always kind of trying to encourage people. So if I could do that through fiction, I I could see myself doing that more in the years to come. Oh, I can't wait for that book. I have a granddaughter that'll be 10 in February and she's a big reader and I can't wait to get that book for her. She'll eat it up. That's great. I love that. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Oh, well, tell me about your current book, The Six Conversations, and kind of what's the backstory? Why did you want to write it? And just, yeah, let's start there. Well, there were three reasons I wanted to write that book. First is we, my husband and Ashley and I had written this award-winning book on evangelism called Scent, and really helping people talk about their faith. But what we found is so many people were like, you know, we know how to share our faith. We love talking about Jesus, but could you go back a few steps and remind us how to begin a conversation in general? We were really seeing kind of this lost art of conversation and people just feeling really awkward knowing what to ask and how to connect with people. So the second reason is that this idea of not being able to connect 
was really true in all the social science research I was reading about the epidemic of loneliness. The Cigna Health study came out, you know, of 20,000 U.S. adults saying that, you know, over half the population or almost half the population is saying they don't have meaningful social interactions. I was looking at Generation Z being declared the loneliest generation and then just the health problems, the disease, they call them diseases of despair, like drug, mm. drug addiction, suicidal ideation. They're all linking those to a lack of social connection. So I was highly motivated to intervene in the loneliness epidemic. And then the last reason was I was showing my students the Harvard Grant Study, which is the longest research study ever conducted. I, I think it's in its 80th year now. It's still going on. But it's trying to answer the question, what's the single most determining factor of a happy life? And the answer is warm connections with other people. So when I share that research with my students, they, you know, they're like, well, how do you get those? You know, they know that's true. And yet they're living disconnected, lonely. And they say things like, you know, I went on a date. The guy didn't ask me one question or, you know, I'm in a sorority. Nobody even asks me anything. I'm just lonely. And, you know, college students will say you have no idea how lonely it is to be a college student. So that motivated me to do the social science research and then also to really examine scripture to see if God has taught us what it means to have a loving connection through the pages of scripture. And I was able to find the answers to my questions about how to have a loving connection. So that's that made me so excited. Mm. Wow, that's that's really exciting. Well, what would you say are like I know like you mentioned the four mindsets in the book. I mean, like I said, I've underlined so many things in the book. <laughs> There's so many resources, inventories and lists and I mean, it's just it's a book that everyone needs to have in their hands. But what are the four mindsets? Well, what I found as I was reading all I could about how to connect well with people and then also looking at scripture, I found that really you need to be doing four things in any conversation in order to have a warm and loving connection. You need to be curious about people, which we're terrible at. You know, we're very Mm self-involved. What does it mean to be curious about other people? Number two, you need to believe the best about them. Now, we're in a culture of incivility and outrage, and most of the time when you meet someone you're not believing the best. You're wondering who did they vote for? What did they believe about vaccines? What was their position on Roe v. Wade? Like you're vetting them and judging. So you're going to be curious, believe the best. Third, you're going to express concern. We're really bad at bearing one another's burdens, like we're told in Galatians 6. Also, Philippians 2 really talks about taking on the interest of other people and valuing them above ourselves. We are not good at that. And then the last one is sharing your life. You know, Paul talks about being delighted to not only share the gospel, but his life as well. And I think some of us aren't self-aware enough or we're not vulnerable to really share our lives. So if you're doing those four things, you're going to be able to have a warm and loving connection with anyone, you know, a five-year-old all the way up to a 95-year-old person. If you are having those dispositions of your heart or the mindsets that will pave the way for a warm and loving connection. Mm. That's great. Yeah. It it sounds so easy, right? But it's it's a lot of work and intentionality to to really do that. Well, what what did you learn even just about listening? I mean, I feel like just even the the first part about being curious and um just having the attention on someone else rather than talking. 
our head off. Yes. This was actually the most exciting thing I learned in my research was how to listen. What I mean by that is I learned what to listen for. And nobody ever taught me this. And what you're listening for as someone talks to you is their core values, which aligns well with the idea of someone's strengths, you know, who they are, what they value. And then when you're able to say to someone, you know, as I'm listening to you, I can tell you value, that's going to make them feel really loved. And that's going to begin to form that warm connection. So it can be as simple as, you know, an example I'll give is I was trying to form a warm and loving connection with another professor who I did not know. And I went into her office, you know, to talk, to connect. And I said, you know, how is your work going? Tell me what you've been thinking about, which is in the cognitive category because the book talks about six conversational pathways. So I asked about, you know, how her work was, what was she thinking about? And as she talked to me, she kept saying things like, well, I turned in this one project, I feel badly, it wasn't my best work. Or I did this one thing and I got confused and it wasn't my best work. So I said to her, as you're talking, I can tell you really value excellence. And she said to me, I do, I really do. And we just talked and I asked a bunch of follow-up questions about her valuing excellence. And at the end of that conversation, she said, this is my favorite part of the week. Will you come back to my office next week. And now we have lunch every Wednesday and I absolutely adore her. And it is one of the most loving and warm connections in my life. But I even do it with neighbors, you know, or even even Uber drivers. I mean, as people are talking, you can figure out what they value Mm -hmm. so quickly. So that's my, that's just one example of how I was able to listen to what people value. Mm, That's great. I know one time I was with, um, somebody and they asked, what's that energizing conversation for you? And it was even just that question that they asked me, it kind of the same thing. It was just intentional. And like my husband was like, oh, when you talk about strengths and it was, it was so insightful because it, it was so direct, but it was that person asking me what I cared about to talk. Yeah, that's and wonderful. It's like, oh, why aren't there more people around like that? Well, did you, and you like, I'm trying to figure out, do you like it when people ask you because you like to celebrate like where you see God working or do you like those conversations because you enjoy learning? Like you just love to learn because I love it when I have friends that value learning because it's so fun because I love yeah. asking them, what are you learning? What are you thinking about? I think I think with that particular conversation, I think just obviously in the the realm of strengths, I like it because I like for people to be seen. And for me, that's a language of I can know you when I know your strengths. And it's like it's kind of a cheat sheet of what their core values are to know their strengths. And maybe I know a little more about what that might mean because I think about strengths a lot. But but I think it's it's a it's kind of more in the social category for I me love of, that. of knowing people. And so it's like, I want to know you and I want to know what makes you tick and, and just to see how great you are. And I understand it even more. Like when I looked up what your strengths were, it's like, Oh yeah, duh. No wonder she's so amazing. But I love like that. I, I yeah. already knew it, but it's like, it gave me even more impetus to, to, to understand you more. I love that about you. And you know what's interesting about the Six Conversations book is when you shared just now how much you love 
you know, getting to know people and how you just, it's a, it's your way of loving them. It's, you're fascinated by people. You love to get to know them. I'm thinking of six follow-up questions in all of the categories of what it means to be human. So what I love about this book is you'll never get lost in conversation again. So like if I were to say, Barbara, okay, who else is like you? Who else is like you? Who also loves that? That's a social question. If I asked a physical question, I could say, even something like, how does it feel in your body when you're having one of those conversations where you really get to know someone? Do you, do mm-hmm. you find yourself getting nervous, excited, you know, or cognitive, volitional, you know, all that I could just go down the list and ask all of those questions. And even the spiritual category, you know, what, 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 how does that reflect the nature of God? The fact that he, he knows us so well, he delights in our well being, And that's so much the nature of God, the way that you want to know people. It's like reflecting his character. I love that. Mm, wow. That's cool, man. We could, we could talk forever. We have so many things to talk about. Well, what we need to do is go out to lunch where we can actually, you know, I can, I can just ask you all sorts of things. It'd be so I fun. Know. Well, um, yeah, that would be awesome. I actually was kind of in your neck of the woods recently with my daughter's work up in Pennsylvania. I'd never really been there and it was so beautiful. What part were you in? Um, what town? Do you I was remember? In, we were in Philadelphia, but then we were also near Gettysburg. Oh, was, that's so beautiful out there. I love Pennsylvania. I love the land. Yeah, it was such a treat just to, I'd lived up in the, um, in Massachusetts till I was in fifth grade. So it just, some aspects of it were really nostalgic to me just being in that neck of the woods. Cause where are you now? Austin, Texas. Okay. So you're not getting the cold and the fall. Like I love winter. It's unusual, but like I get so, it's supposed to snow this weekend. I get so excited. I just love the coziness of it. The hot chocolate, watching the snowfall. It's so fun. Oh, that's great. Well, um, tell me also about, you mentioned in your book, like the three fresh goals. What, what are those? Well, this is what I love about thinking about having better conversations. Most people right now believe that conversation is about argument, that your goal is to win or persuade someone to your point of view. But what if you changed the goal of conversation and changed in your mind what you think a conversation is for? So not only does the Bible teach this, but the social science research confirms it, that in every conversation, you want to end up in one of three places. Encouragement. So are you able to encourage someone? So think about how scripture says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building people up according to your needs. So can you imagine talking to someone and by the end of the conversation, they're encouraging you. They're saying something to you that just makes you really hopeful and strengthened inside for whatever's going on. Number two, helping people in their personal goals. This is really good for my strengths, um, but it may be a way for other people to grow if they have a different set of strengths. But um, scripture talks about spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. And I like to think about when you're carrying someone's burdens or talking to them about upcoming decisions or their major stressors, you're not only encouraging them, but you're th- figuring out a way to be to be someone who is supportive in whatever their goals are. This could be as simple as following up, like, tell me how that's going, or asking how you can be a good support to that person um, and helping them through, you know, whatever project they're working on. The third thing is the most exciting 
in the research I found, and that is helping people marvel or get to a state of worship or awe. The research on awe, meaning you're in a state of wonder with someone, it not only decreases feelings of loneliness, but it also helps depression and anxiety. So when you're with someone and say you feel really alone and you're really stressed out, but you decide to go outside on a starry night and you're standing next to your neighbor and you both see um, shooting stars or you both see a satellite or a comet or something and you begin to marvel together about nature. The research shows that you will feel closer to that person. You're going to have less lonely feelings. You'll be less anxious, less depressed. I love that. And so the book really talks about ways you can cultivate awe And I like looking at passages of scripture that talk about how when you're with people, you want to sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. So I'm trying when I'm talking to someone to look for divine activity. If I'm in nature, it's easy. But if I'm like in the hallway at Penn State, how do I bring people to a state of awe or marvel? Usually I'm looking for something that seems divine or supernatural or uh, providential, anything that can lift our eyes to a state of worship. So encouragement helping people with their goals and leading people to a state of marveling is a whole different way of thinking about conversations. And when you are someone that wants to do those things, you're going to find you have so many friends and warm connections because everyone wants to have conversations like that. Mm, Wow. That's, that's great. I love, I love that. Well, what about, well, how do the six pathways work is I know like that's kind of the essence. I mean, yes. every part builds on itself, but what are, what are those six pathways and what did they look like? Well, once you have the four mindsets down of, you know, you're going to be curious, you're going to believe the best, express concern and share your life. And when you're thinking of those goals, this book is really about helping people know how to start a conversation and never get lost in a conversation again. And the six pathways are based on the six dimensions of what it means to be human. So when I share these, you're going to be like, this is so easy. This is so intuitive. Why haven't I thought of conversation like this before? So when you're looking at someone, always remember six things. They're social. They're physical. So they have physical bodies and physical spaces and the five senses. They are emotional. Most of us stay in the emotional realm. How are you? What, you know, how are you feeling? That, those are emotional questions. We're also cognitive, meaning we're thinking about things. We're volitional, meaning human decision-making, how we're making choices, and we're spiritual. And I don't have an acronym or like an easy way to remember that, but just remember when you're looking at someone, all the dimensions of what it means to be human. So when I see someone, I don't need to ask, how are you? I could say, Barbara, I haven't seen you in a while. What have you been thinking about lately? That is a cognitive question. I can ask a social question. Barbara, I haven't seen you in a while. Who have you been spending time with? lately. Now, or or anything. I mean, and I ac- actually found through the process of, you know, doing workshops and talking to, you know, hundreds of people, a lot of people love questions in the physical category, but we don't tend to ask them. So for example, I could say, Barbara, I don't know about you, but how have you been sleeping? You know, how is your body doing? We actually love those kind of questions. Like I asked a group mm-hmm. of students the other day, how are you guys sleeping? I learned more about lavender, melatonin, ASMR, (laughs) all the things they're doing. So once you ask a question in any of those categories, you then have endless permutations of where to go next. So if I said, Barbara, tell me about your best friend, and you, you know, told me about some social aspect of your life, 
I can literally go down the six pathways again. I could say a social question. Okay, who else in your life is like that person? Tell me more about your friends. Just keep going down that pathway. Mm-hmm. Or I could do a physical question. What do you guys like to do together? Do you go to f- restaurants? Like, where do you hang out? You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Cognitive. What do you guys like to think about when you're together? Volitional. How did you de- How did you decide to become friends with her? I could even do a spiritual question. Like, do you guys feel like friendship is a sacred space? Do you guys talk about, you know, spiritual things. And then you just go on and on. And what I love is the assessments about how to understand what people like to talk about and what your kind of default conversational modes are and really paying attention and listening well. So you're able to ask really great questions rooted in interpersonal curiosity. And then you just have this whole toolkit of where to go next in conversation. Mm. That's amazing. It is. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? <laughs> no, it's so simple. Like most, like most brilliant things, they're really simple. I was like, wow, this is brilliant. It was actually Ashley, my husband's idea, because he was like, okay, this is so simple. Just give categories for people to ask questions in. And he was the one who came up with the six dimensions of being human. And that's the day I took out my journal. And I was like, okay, this is so simple, but nobody's ever taught me this before. I need to learn this. Yeah, because I think we we hear of um, lots of ideas of different questions to ask with people, and I I get a lot of resources about that. But I think, like you're saying, yeah, this just kind of makes it more little more usable. Well, yeah, and the thing I was frustrated about is I am someone who collects good questions. And I'm naturally good at asking questions, but that's not enough. It wasn't doing the trick. What what was missing are the four mindsets and the three fresh goals and how to listen. So the book really sets up a lot of groundwork before you even ask that first question. Mm -hmm. I know recently when we were on vacation with my family, I, I mean, this is something I care about a lot. My husband and I talk about how few people really know how to have conversations and connect. And I mean, it's like you say, it is an epidemic. And so I wrote out, gathered several lists of questions. I hung them up in the beach house where we were at and made it a game of like, who can ask the most, who you won by who was, who asked you the most questions. And you kept track of who asked questions. Oh, that's and, fun. Yeah, it was fun. And it, we learned a lot of interesting things about people. I mean, there's like a few things that were like, oh, that was a little secret from your past. <laughs> Maybe nobody had ever asked that question. But anyway, I think I just love just this resource for people to to really take it and use it in their families. I think especially Christmas time when we're with people, maybe some of us haven't been together with for a while. Like, how can we connect with this person that maybe we have a lot of different ideas about, but just kind of shaking it up? Well, what has encouraged you? I'm sure so many things since you've released this book. And I know, just like you're saying, just even your research, you've experienced experimented and continued to do a lot of things you've already been doing, but what's been most encouraging to you since the book's come out? Just how it's really solved my own loneliness and disconnection and really helped me connect deeply with people. And as someone who loves evangelism, it's my primary gift from the Holy Spirit. 
the sex conversations has naturally helped me have so many conversations about Jesus with people. And it never comes off as a sales pitch. It never comes off as um, inauthentic or disingenuous because I already have a warm and loving connection. And when I'm asking people, you know, what are you thinking about? Or, you know, what decisions are you making? And then when it's my turn to share in our loving conversation, I'm able to tell people, I've really been thinking about, you know, this thing in scripture. Like today I read about David and when he was going to build the temple and how God gave him exact instructions to give to his son, Solomon. And, you know, people are not like, wow, you're crazy. Stop talking to us about God. They'll say things like, okay, tell me more. That's really cool. Like what, you know, people will say, do you read the Bible every day? Do you believe God speaks to you through it? I mean, the conversations have been amazing just because, you know, I've learned how to have these mindsets. It's also repaired relationships that have been damaged in my life because I realized I was really deficient in believing the best. And I learned that God, it reflects the character of God and the way he shows us unconditional positive regard. He delights in us because of Christ where we have the righteousness of Christ. So when God looks at us with his love and grace, I want to reflect that to other people. I want to be someone that's like, look, you don't have to perform for me to like you. Because mm-hmm. God loves me no matter what I do, I'm going to believe the best about you. So as a result, I've had so many great conversations with people who believe completely different things from me politically, people who have wildly different views on social issues. We're able to really come together and have a warm and loving connection and even hug each other at the end, even though we completely disagree about things. So that's most encouraged me because the Holy Spirit is a spirit of unity. And I know you love harmony, Barbara, but I really think it honors God when we come together in unity and harmony and in the church in particular to repair some of the damage that we've seen in the last four years. That's what's most exciting me about this book. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's I, I'm excited. I'm excited, like say, to to let other people get their hands on it, but also like like you practice these things in my own life with people that I've maybe had limited conversations with and try new things. So one of the things, there was so many things I loved in the book, but one of the questions you asked in particular is like, tell me the story about that. I mean, that's just such a simple question, but it's... I don't know, just digging deeper on any topic, but we all have a lot to say. Oh, I love that question. Do you know the secret why that question is so great? If you see someone, for example, that has a beautiful dress on and you say, tell me the story of how you got that beautiful dress. Well, listen to what category of conversation she answers in. For example, if she tells you all about the people she was with when she found that dress. She likes Uh questions in the social category. If she wants to talk about the strategy and her decision-making, she probably likes volitional. If she Mm -hmm. talks about the fabric and all of these things, you know, she likes physical questions. So I love, whenever you ask someone, tell me the story, listen for how they answer. And that might give you a clue to the kinds of conversations they like to have. Yeah, that's great. Well, I have a story about a dress and a story. Um, So since you brought that up, connectedness is one of my strengths tying together same topics but i was um we were at a memorial of a dear friend that passed away last week and this younger gal that we we have known but not real well she was there and we're like oh it's so great to visit with you and she's she said let me tell you about this dress i have on 
and it was a dress of the lady that passed away and she had she had given it to her daughter who the the daughter her daughter was friends with the gal that we were talking with and she said anyway the the daughter didn't really maybe she liked the dress but she wasn't wearing it that much but it looked great on this other gal and so the the lady that passed away said you need to have this dress this is your dress and there was a picture of our dear friend in the slides in the dress and then this friend that was actually wearing it i mean it was just such a dear story wow. about about this dress and the kindness of our friend that had passed away so i love that story clothing has a story there's usually a story behind clothing. I love that. That's a yeah. great way to not get lost at, uh, at the holiday table or like as, as you know, if you're gathering yeah. with people, ask the story of something that they're wearing and you're probably going to get a really good tale. That's, I love that. It's really great. Well, um, Heather, this has been so awesome. I just love connecting with you and just learning more about just the backstory of this book and just even the vision of what's ahead as people read the book and lots more conversations are going to be happening with people all around the country and the world. But I would like to ask a question I'd love to ask people, like what has brought you joy lately or put a smile on your face? What's brought me joy lately is just walking with my daughter. I really love taking a daily walk, not only for my physical and mental health, but the conversations you have when you go out and walk with someone, especially mm -hmm. teens. I just, that brings me so much joy to connect with her um, as we're walking. We'll, we'll sometimes do three miles. In fact, it's going to be a little warmer today. It might get into the 50s here which I know you're in Texas being like, we're free. That's freezing. But that means we'll probably take a longer walk today. And I just love it. I love hearing about her life, her friends, things she's been thinking about, decisions she has to make. And so it's just a wonderful time as a mom to walk and then know what kind of questions to ask to get a child to open up. So that brings me a lot of joy. Mm, that's great. I love it. Well, Heather, how would our listeners find you? Well, you can go to heatherholloman.com and something special is if you click on books and then click on the six conversation image, below that book are a bunch of free resources for you. There's an excerpt, a free PDF excerpt of the first chapter. There is a list of my 100 favorite questions that I love to ask to get to know my students or anyone. And there's also a really fun worksheet that helps you get beyond the first question in conversation. So that's all at heatherholloman.com. And um, you'll find just a lot of fun stuff when you go to that website. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much, Heather. I appreciate you being here. Hope you have a great rest of your day and rest of the holiday season. Thank you, Barbara. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this time has given you hope and encouragement about how amazing you are or helped you understand someone you know or work with or love. If you're curious about your top five strengths, you can take the assessment at cliftonstrengths.com. If this episode's been helpful to you, please leave a review, share the podcast with a friend, or subscribe to Embrace Your Strengths podcast. You can find more information at barbaracolwell.com. -E -L -L I sure look forward to our next time together. Take care.